0: Dust is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. I am your host, Grace Fowler, and this week is another minisode. Today we are going to be covering the cognitive bias known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, and I, this episode I think is going to be really fun because we're going to spend a lot of it basically debunking (laughs) this effect, um, and I'm going to explain a little bit how the research methodology used in this study contributed to a cognitive bias essentially of the researchers, which essentially refutes the idea of the Dunning-Kruger effect, um, but we're going to get into it. But so this is going to be a shorter episode. I'm going to run through the original study that was done in 1999 and then talk about Uh, A little bit of the research that kind of refutes it Um, and then as always with the cognitive bias episodes uh, gonna hit hit on maybe how you can avoid um, this bias in your life although if it's not real maybe you don't need to avoid it (laughs) Um, but anyway diving in um, what is the Dunning-Kruger effect so the short definition of it is um, essentially people who are incompetent or unskilled in an area of performance are going to have little insight into their level of skill or their incompetence. So if you are bad at a thing you are not able to tell how truly bad at a thing you are. You're gonna you're gonna think that you're really good at it. Um, now if you're like me and you're <laughs> online a lot uh, you may have heard the Dunning-Kruger effect or Dunning-Kruger uses kind of like a way to say that people are very dumb and they don't know that they're dumb. And that's not actually what even the original effect was saying, and that's that's not true at all. Is that like dumb people don't know that they're dumb? Uh, That's not true at all. And in fact, the original premise of the Dunning Kruger effect was just that people are able to evaluate their own skill level as well when they are a beginner in the skill. So it wasn't about like general knowledge, but it was about like evaluating a specific skill, and there explanation for why this occurs was that if you are not good at a skill or like just beginning to learn a skill you won't be able to do what we call meta skills which include things like metacognition or metamemory and when we slap the word meta in front of something like this um, we just mean like the ability to kind of internally reflect on your skill so a metacognition is your ability to think about thinking metamemory is like remembering a memory and if, in order to have meta skills or meta experiences around a skill you have to know what the skill is right you can't have a memory of doing the the skill if you've never done the skill before or you can't really think about yourself doing thinking through the skill if if you've never done it before so that was their premise and and so like if we think about it this way as an example of like, in order to know that you are good at painting, you have to know what it takes to make a good painter. And if you are not a good painter, you don't know what it takes to be good at painting, right? So inherently a bad painter doesn't know what it takes to be a good painter because you don't have the experience of being a good painter. Um, So that was like one half of their theory about why the Dunning-Kruger effect would take place. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but this, this comes from... Uh, Kruger and Dunning, their original study in 1999, and this was like their theoretical approach to this. So they, they laid out this big theory before they did the study. Um, so that, that's half of it, is this metacognition. The other half of it was this idea about um, the above average effect, which is the tendency that we all have to evaluate ourselves as always above average, even when it is statistically impossible that we are all above average at everything, right? Like, statistically speaking, somebody has to be not good <laughs> at something, right? We Somebody has to be below average at, at these things, hence the nature of, of being average at something. Um, so they were saying if we take this lack of meta-skills plus the above-average effect, we may have this unique effect that they were trying to study or trying to describe in the original study. Um, and they had some supporting literature. I thought this example was very interesting. Um, they cited this literature that had been done with um, young boys and college uh, male college students and found that the students or, or children who were socially incompetent, who, so not great with social skills, were very unaware of their lack of social skills. So if you were to ask them, like, are you good at socializing, they would say yes, even though upon observing them, they weren't great at socializing. That sets up their premise for, for the study. So in the original study, they actually designed four studies to test their hypothesis that people who are not good at something cannot accurately evaluate their skill. So the first study they designed was about what they call competence in a domain that requires sophisticated knowledge and wisdom about the tastes and reactions of other people. Um, they wanted to look at humor, so they really dressed up what being funny is, but they were saying um, in order to be good at being funny, you need to have a lot of knowledge and you need to be able to judge how people will react to you so that you can adapt to become funny. So they wanted to people rate jokes that had been rated by eight professional comedians. So on a scale from one to 11, how funny were these jokes? And they gave them 30 jokes that ranged from, like, you know, joke book jokes to jokes from like actual comedians. They did include Woody Allen, which I don't know if we would include him anymore, um, as as a joke teller. Um, and so then they compared the people's scores on how they rated the jokes to the what the comedians had rated them. So, as I alluded to at the beginning, right? This the, basically what ha- happened was there was some study design and measurement errors that contributed to people thinking the Dunning-Kruger effect was real. And this is one of the the areas where I think it's not the best research, right? Because I think now we all can realize that funny, funniness, (laughs) humor is very subjective, right? And so to have people rating these jokes based on, you know, like eight people's eight people who are, like, in the industry, their ratings, I think, is already, you're kind of starting out at a bad point, right? Of, like, it's it's not highly, it's not necessarily guaranteed that everybody in the sample is going to have the same sense of humor as the people who, the, the professionals who rated the items. Um, and how they decided who was incompetent in regards to humor was if you Fell in the bottom 25th percentile of ratings compared to the professional rating. So, if your sense of humor was very different, um, maybe you like simpler humor or, you know, versus more complex humor, um, you're going to be in the bottom 25%. You're going to be seen as incompetent to the study. Um, okay, so that was the first study. The second study, um, was looking at intellectual rather than social abilities um so they they were measuring logical reasoning and and oh i forgot to mention this earlier but all of these studies were done on Um, Cornell students, so if any of my fans of The Office are out there, um, (laughs) this honestly made me think of Andy and how his whole identity revolves around going to Cornell. Um, But again, as we've talked about in earlier episodes, um, when you have a sample that is so specific, right, it's not easily generalizable, um, that has some impact on how we can you know, share this information with the general public. So all of these studies were done with Cornell undergraduates, which is going to be a very specific type of person who not only has the resources to go to Cornell but gets into Cornell and wants to go to that kind of school. So again, something to keep in mind. So first study, we looked at humor. Second study, they looked at what they called logical reasoning, and they said that um, they, they chose this one because it's kind of central to your academic career. right? So if you're in college you should be able to use logical reasoning. Um, The third study they asked participants to uh, or they were looking at grammar so they had them rate their ability to recognize correct grammar and then rate their how they think their score on a grammar test would relate to their peers and then they asked them to estimate how many items they think they answered right on the test. So this was, they're kind of adding this element of, can you evaluate how well you did on the test? And they did that because they wanted to see if somebody who bombed the test would be able to recognize that they did poorly. Um, so that was three. And then number four, they looked at something called the Wasson Selection Test um, and asked them to, again, evaluate like how well they did um, they had half the participants then take a little training session to teach them how to do better on the task and they had them do it again, um, and ask them to say which items they'd answered correctly and which items they had answered incorrectly and how well their, their ability was. So this one, they're, they're looking to see if like we increase your skill as a test, are you going to be able to evaluate yourself better? Okay, so... Across all those four studies, they found this effect, which we call Dunning-Kruger effect, um, that the people who were in the bottom quartiles of skill or competence rated themselves as higher performing on the skills in comparison to how they actually performed, whereas people who were rated in the higher quartiles as competent or highly skilled often tended to underestimate their abilities and rate themselves as doing worse than they actually did. And so Dunning and Kruger argued that this was something called, psych- they, they conceptualized it as something called psychological anosognosia, which is similar to the cognitive impairment of the same name where it's a form of like inability to recognize something so like if if you've ever heard of like prosopagnosia, that's like face blindness right like inability of the brain to recognize certain features so they were saying this is a psychological phenomenon of the same type where you're unable to discern or recognize uh, poor performance and not only poor performance, but also that you are somebody who's performing poorly, right? So you may be able to recognize in other people, but you wouldn't recognize it in yourself. Now, they wrote up a bunch of fancy things, they have a lot of fancy stats, they have a fancy graph. Uh, the great, fascinating effect, boom, bing, bomb, published. Um, and people began to use this as a way to talk about Um, people who are dumb not knowing that they're dumb. So almost like immediately after this study was published, in more like pop psychology or pop culture ways of talking about it, it was interpreted in this way. Now the interesting thing is that uh, in the academic side uh, people were suspicious at first, and in fact three years after the original study was published in 1999, someone tried to replicate this study um, and we're unable to, <laughs> like totally unable to replicate it. And if you know anything about, you know, the basics of the scientific method, one of the things that we do to kind of contribute to scientific knowledge is we replicate other people's studies because if something is replicatable, right, if it can be done again and you get the same results, then it, it provides more evidence that this effect or this phenomenon might be truly happening and not just a function of random error. Um, and unfortunately it seems like the Dunning-Kruger effect is due to random error. And that leads me into my second article uh, which was actually written by uh, an author by the last name of Jerry. It looked at um, kind of the, the range of academic studies that have addressed Dunning-Kruger. Um, and I, I have the link to the article on the sources page. I, I thought it was really interesting. Actually, they covered um, the history of it quite quickly uh, in a way that was very helpful, so I appreciate that. Um, and they this author was saying that, kind of kind of ran through some of the more recent articles that have shown, have continued to show that the Dunning-Kruger effect probably doesn't exist. Um, and so two in particu- particular used... Um, sets of random data. So one author used uh, a random data set in Excel and one used a random data set in the statistical programming R. Um, And they totally random data, they ran the same kind of modeling that you would use to replicate Dunning-Kruger effect, um, and they found almost identical graphs (laughs) to the graphs that were uh, reported in the original article, um, and with the same statistical significance. So in the in the data that they found, um, the well, it wasn't statistically significant, but it was the same graph. So the bottom uh, quartiles were modeled to say that they would. Score very poorly on something, but would rate themselves very highly. Whereas the opposite effect was for highly skilled, the highly skilled model. It was a, a high rating of actual skill with a low rating of performance. Um, and I, I do recommend that you check out the Jerry article because they show the original and the new model, the the graphs, and they are all, they are pretty much identical. In fact, the lines even intersect like at almost the same point, point. Um, and the running these these studies with da- random data shows that it wasn't actually a true statistical difference between groups in the original study it was more likely due to having random error in a sample right so and this is a, another stats thing so bear with me but when we run stats on things and we do statistical analysis there is always a chance that the differences between groups that we find is completely due to random error and is not due to our own interventions or observations, right? And if you've ever heard of something called a 95% confidence interval, that we're saying that we are 95% confident that the difference between these two groups is true and di- and they're actually different, but there's a 5% chance that we're wrong and it is totally due to random error, Right? And because we can't ever be 100% sure in science or stats, so we do the best that we can, Um, can, there's an option for you to set your parameters to 99% confident with a 1% chance of random error. Um, But the standard is to do 95.5. In this case, it appears that the Dunning-Kruger effect in the original study fell in that 5%. (laughs) It was truly due to random error, um, and they maybe misinterpreted their results or, or misreported them. Uh, And and I want to be clear to say that it's not on purpose, right? Sometimes these things happen and we measure something that isn't truly in effect. uh, And that's why we replicate studies, right? Because when people replicate studies and are able to find, um, well, actually, no, this isn't happening. And this is only happening when we do it with random data. Um, then it's a pretty good suggestion that the original effect was unfortunately due to random error. It doesn't mean that the original authors did a bad job or uh, themselves are too dumb to know they're dumb. <laughs> it's just something that happens in statistics. Um, and that's why we want encourage people to replicate studies. Okay, so the other Reason why the Dunning-Kruger effect probably wasn't real in the be- in from the first study onwards, is that they used these measures of self-assessment, right? So they had the people themselves measure how good are you at a skill or task, um, and that's probably one of the most unpredictable ways to measure something, and it is incredibly difficult. Um, and the the author of this article actually made the really good point of like. The way that you evaluate something can even change within the hour, from day to day, um, right? So, like, let's say at the beginning of the day, you take a spelling test, and right after the spelling test, you think, yeah, I did really good, I'm really good at spelling, right? You rate yourself really highly, and then you go throughout the day, um, and maybe a couple of things happen, maybe you... Um, make a mistake at work or maybe your blood sugar drops um, or you know something happens where that just like impacts the way that you're kind of seeing yourself right The the filter through which you are filtering information in your mind um, and you're asked to rate yourself on that spelling test at the end of the day mind you also it's now been several hours since that test your rating of your skill on that test is going to be probably very different from how you rated yourself at the beginning particularly if whatever happened in those hours um, filter affects the way that you would perceive your ability to spell, right? Maybe you got yelled at by your boss because of a typo in an email, right? Now you're like, oh, I'm the worst speller ever. Um, and so, along with the Dunning Kruger effect be- possibly being due to it being random error. It's also highly possible that the measurement error, right, the the ability for random error to be present in an unpredictable measurement style, um, could also have explained why they found statistical significance. So you see how like the odds are kind of stacking against the Dunning-Kruger effect being real. Um, And I think that there is enough documentation of academic articles, replicated studies, um, and expert opinions that have said um, this probably isn't effect, an effect in the way that it has been communicated um, in media or in pop psychology realms. Um, so I thought it was important, as this project is essentially a pop psychology Realm to make sure that that information is known and that the Dunning-Kruger effect, one, is not what it is. You, it is not defined as the way it is used online, and two, probably does not exist in the in the world in the way that we think it is. Now, the article by Jerry also featured um, excerpts from an interview they did with David Dunning, who was one of the original authors, and he said that the way he conceptualizes the Dunning-Kruger effect now is that it's really about misinformation in regards to feedback so it's you having the wrong information about your skill level that's informing the way that you evaluate yourself in the absence of appropriate feedback about your skill level um, but you know <laughs> that, that's not as fun as saying like dumb people don't know that they're dumb, they're such a Dunning-Kruger over there Um So all of that to say is that this effect probably is not real in the way that we have thought it was, and so if you see people using it or you hear it yourself, you can know, okay, this isn't... um, a thing in the way that, that they're using it, and if you want to be that real cool nerd, you can go, um, actually, I learned on a podcast that the Dunning-Kruger effect is not real. It doesn't mean that dumb people don't know they're dumb. Um, now, there are plenty of other cognitive biases that can contribute to people not knowing um, their true skill level or not evaluating themselves right, uh, which I will cover in future episodes, but the Dunning-Kruger effect itself is... Um, probably not real. Um, One interesting fact that I found when researching this episode was on the Wikipedia page. They noted that the Dunning-Kruger effect was nominated for an Ig Nobel Prize Award, um, which is a satirical take on the Nobel Prize Award, and basically they recognized the Dunning-Kruger effect, the paper for the Dunning-Kruger effect, as being almost like a frivolous um, contribution to science, because Although it was interesting, um, what are we going to do about it? Like, it didn't really impact the field um, in a super important way. So, not that I meant to spend this episode kind of trashing on these guys from the 90s, but I just did want to highlight that this effect just does not exist in the way that we think it is. And so, you know, in order to combat it, um, I think the best thing for us to do is just remind ourselves that it's not real, um, and that there is, that means that there is hope for people to be more self-aware of their performance, and that means there's more hope hope for yourself to be self-aware of your performance, um, and that it's not, like, stuck in stone, right? That, like, you will, you learn how to get better at something, and you learn how to assess yourself more accurately. Um, So, with all that said, I'm going to say thank you. For listening to this mini-sode, um, and we'll be back next week with a full-length episode. See you in the next episode! To see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com or click the link in the show notes. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and see you in the next episode.